And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. My name is Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you live from the Smith River up here in the gorgeous state of Jefferson. We might even get a trickle of rain today, Bear. We were supposed to get two days of rain, and as normal, the rain gets pushed away. I didn't share this picture with you yesterday, Bear, but we literally had a jet doing circle, a circle over our house and neighborhood, leaving a beautiful. I took pictures of it, and uh, I, I was trying not to take it personally, but I'm like, whoa, they're zooming in on my house. They, I've got all these pictures I want to show you, too. Total circles, and then later in the day, they retraced the same exact pattern, and then it did this little bow in the air, and I'm like, those bastards, if I had anti-aircraft artillery now, they would be history you know mm-hmm. so yeah. time to get a rocket launcher well i went outside with my <laughs> yeah. uh high-powered laser and was shooting it in the pilot's eyes but uh no that's my that's my plan is to to invest in the strongest laser known to man well i'm making my orgone devices right now so we will create our own rain and not rely on rely on them and and we've got some real deals in the work sorry mike i, <laughs> okay. I I'll, i've got the flow. that's crazy that's crazy. You saw that too. I actually had neighbors like tech because I'm known as like the crazy conspiracy guy in the neighborhood. So they were sending me texts. Oh like, no, oh. no, no. I'm I'm working with people behind the scenes. Uh, it, it's an integration of uh, Steiner and and Reich and how to work with the electronic uh, levels that uh, Steiner always talked about, and then combining that with the orgone understanding, and then creating devices, uh, integrating other technologies. And I'll tell you all about it. Cool, cool. Dig it, dig it. Um, yeah, so anyways, that happened. And uh, we're excited. <laughs> we are in full swing of spring into summer, and uh, the farm is cranking, and the Jagulon is is creeping up, and um, we uh, are just having a blast up here, all things considered. Uh, we have uh, Music and Sky that uh, we're happy to be involved with that is uh, fa- finally fully um, announced to the public. We have our Phase 1 flyer went out yesterday. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, if you're interested in coming and joining like-minded folks for the 4th of July, we have um, we will be involved with this amazing camping festival gathering. I'm not really calling it a festival. It's more of a freedom gathering. And uh, that uh, is uh, the weekend of July 2nd through the 4th. It's actually four nights in the Western Sierras here in a beautiful place. Uh, it's a fully private uh, area that we have. Uh, it's 220 acres to romp around in, in the woods. So um, it, we're very excited about that. If you're interested in more information, go to our telegram t.me forward slash alpha Vedic to find out more information about that. We're also on discord. You can go to uh, alphavedic.com forward slash discord uh, to find out more info that way. Those are the two best ways to get involved with our community. Uh, for those that are new that are coming over from Beth's community, Alphavedic, uh, we're an off-grid uh, 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 online co-op and, and uh, farm up here where we grow medicinals for our product line that is based on Dr. Bear Lando's 40 plus years as a bioterrain uh, specialist. And uh, we are active in agriculture uh, using uh, permaculture principles and and um, also uh, very active in the decentralized technology space with myself working with Cordal and, and other projects. 
I'll actually be uh, on at, uh, involved with the Greater Reset Summit in two weeks. I believe that is. That's Derek Bros's uh, wonderful summit where Foster Gamble is involved with that bear, who was our guest last week that uh, you so um, you you amazingly uh, interviewed because I wasn't able to make it. Uh, so that was a great show. And uh, what else? And then Bear, you're you should be coming out any day now on a Higher Side Chats podcast, which you did with Greg, which I'm really looking forward to. One of my uh, favorite podcasts out there. And uh, yeah, so much going on today. Uh, we have Beth Martins, though. So uh, that is very exciting. Um, <clears throat> Beth, I've become a fan of. Um, I actually join her live streams when I can. And um, I was introduced to her, I believe, when we were involved with Anarchapoco earlier this year. Mm -hmm. and uh, had the pleasure of being interviewed by her about decentralized technology. And Bear also was interviewed by her on her show. And uh, yeah, it's becoming uh, like uh, developing a friendship here. So uh, very happy to have her on today. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> here's a great quote from Beth. The thing you're here on earth to do is never going to leave you alone. <laughs> and that is so darn true. Um, <clears throat> quote, my reason to be on earth wouldn't leave me alone, not even on what I thought was my deathbed, uh, quote by Beth Martins. Uh, for me, it took being diagnosed with a stage four lymphoma nearly 20 years ago before I surrendered to doing my life's work full time. I had been leading a double life. <clears throat> I was a VP in my family's firm by day and a freedom seeking community gathering teacher and musician pursuing spiritual experiences night and on the weekends. I got so out of alignment with myself in the corporate world that I unconsciously made myself sick to get out of my obligation to my family's business. Oops. But no matter how disabled I became, my life purpose never once stopped trying to bust out of me. I'd be laying there practically in a coma and I'd feel songs bubble up when I couldn't even sit up and hold a guitar. I'd hear messages that needed to be written down and shared when I couldn't even hold a pen. I would dream of living on a planet where communities thrived. Today, Beth helps truth lovers find their sacred purpose, be valued for their life's work, and survive the ordeals of their hero's journey. As recovering feminist, she is passionate about supporting King Heroes and hosting the King Heroes Journey podcast, highlighting leaders, entrepreneurs, movement makers, and purveyors of the truth. Visit her at, this is her website, uh, definitely worth checking out. She's um, got a lot of great content on there, and that's uh, bethmartins.com. That's B-E-T-H-M-A-R-T-E-N-S.com. To do a free King Hero or Merpreneur, am I saying that right? Mer, um, Perfect. Well Merpreneur, done. Uh, archetype <laughs> quiz to learn where you are on the path of purpose. Her new, re her new released book, Journey, a map of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness is available on her website. So happy to have you on, the, on today, Beth. Um, yeah, show that book there um, so, <laughs> so everyone good. can see. I actually... My baby. <laughs> wonderful. And I, I am actually really looking forward to reading that. Um, I'm in your way. Berlando, um, how's your hero's journey doing today? It's doing great. And it's uh, doing even better now being able to talk to Beth. It's sort of like whole, old home week now. You know, we were fellow speakers, as Mike said, in Anarchapoco. We've 
been together a couple times. I get to be on your show. I'm very honored to be there and uh, awesome to have you here today. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, great to have you. So um, you've been on quite a journey and it's indeed a hero's journey. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I have a little experience with working with people, uh, many people in the past that were in the same exact situation that you were in. And, you know, um, the the more experience I had in my business, I realized that this thing we call disease is something totally different than what I learned in medical training. And, uh, you know, very quickly, I came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, the as Albert Schweitzer uh, once said, who I'm a big fan of, by the way, uh, I've got a backstory on him I'll share someday. But, um, you know, he, he coined the term the inner physician. And it's true. Healing can only come from inside. It doesn't come from a doctor. It doesn't come from a pill. Um, you know, we can use natural modalities to help the journey, uh, ease the journey, we'll say, you know, to help align you, you know, in certain ways. But still, nobody can heal somebody else. You know, people would come to me very often, you know, referred by other doctors when everybody else had given up. And uh, first thing I tell people is, well, I've never cured a single person from cancer or anything else. It's none of my business. And, and you know, it's beyond any doctor or, or healer's capacity. So, um, of course, what some uh, physicians or practitioners bring to the table is a belief system uh, through experience, firsthand interaction, watching heroes uh, make the inner decision that, wow, what have I got to lose? I'm just going to do this thing. And they stop listening to doctors. They stop listening to diagnoses. They, uh, they burn their label that they got, you know, from the doctor's office and then they just go for it. Uh, you're one of those amazing individuals. And, you know, when people would come to me, the second thing I tell them is that, um, you know, you really don't even need me in the first place. Uh, but, you know, I have witnessed a lot of people do exactly what you're intending to do. So I believe I understand. And then, of course, that does create a bit of an energetic field that would help boost them in their journey. And then we'd use our technologies to, you know, help them put things right. But it nothing could possibly work that I could do or anybody could do unless they made that decision. And when I witness these people heroically make that decision, do this journey, you know, facing what everybody around them is telling them is their sure demise. And then they just go for it. I was just in awe of people like yourself that did it. And that's how I learned. And, you know, a lot of times you hear of doctor types that have some success with certain conditions. And then, of course, they get all the credit, which is a bunch of nonsense. Um, you know, the true heroes are the people that tap into their inner self and just jump in with both feet and never look back. And then I think uh, what we want to hear from you today is, uh, you know, you find out in uh, hindsight or even during the process that, there's a whole different purpose for why that condition was initiated in the first place to get you back online with what you're here to do in the first place. So I love to, you know, I know a little bit about, you know, what you went through and, and, you know, where it led you to today. So uh, we'd all love to hear in your own words, um, how it realigned you. 
Mm, thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm I'm really honored to be here. Huge fans of both of you, and uh, the the interview that I've done uh, individually with you is is well worth checking out. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it it has been quite a journey. I I loved hearing what you said. I think it might have been to Foster Gamble saying how people ended up on your doorstep uh, after nothing worked, and they had. Uh, completely, you know, they've been told they were going to die. Maybe they surrendered to death and they came with such openness to your work. Um, I was actually the opposite. I was trying to avoid Western medicine like the plague. I knew too much about it at that point. And, uh, you know, I was scared of it. So I thought, okay, well, let's do everything possible. I wanted to, to uh, get a natural cure. So I worked from a number of different angles. So uh, you know, variety of uh, from the naturopath to energy workers and, uh, you know, went raw vegan. Um, and, and you're right, everything contributed. But at the end of three years, and, and after a second diagnosis, when they say that I'm not going to live without a stem cell transplant, and half the people die doing that, it was a real crossroads for me. And I saw, okay, well, I've been doing everything, quote unquote, right for three years. And here I am losing my life. So something's not working. And it, it's just what you said, Bear, that, that uh, I realized it was me, I had to do it. And so by assuming responsibility, you know, I wanted to, there were so many different uh, parties and factors that I wanted to blame for being sick, right? I, I'd been in the, the corporate world. It's a very unhealthy environment. It's like, it's downright evil, as I think we all know at this point. I didn't know how evil, I just, I just felt it. I just didn't have the, the evidence for it. Um, you know, the, the, the food poisoning, the water poisoning, the air poisoning, uh, just the the stress of being a slave in society that has to work for basic life that never, ever made sense to me. I think it probably doesn't to anybody. Uh, so all of the, you know, I could just name you a hundred reasons or more why why I was sick. But when it came to responsibility, I knew there was only one answer to that question, and it came down to me. And And what am I doing? Uh, I was extremely lucky or fortunate, you know, I was just open to the breadcrumbs. Okay. And, and, and by facing that possibility that I was going to die, uh, I was trying to weigh, like, am I going to do the stem cell transplant that takes a year to recover from? And it's mostly in isolation, very severe. I actually, my, uh, my brother-in-law died of that a few years after I ended up turning it down. And the basis for being able to turn down that stem cell transplant, which everybody, you know, my, my sister would literally call me at four in the AM and at four in the morning and go like, Beth, you're going to die. You're going to die. And I'm like, okay, thanks for your help. I'll just go back to sleep now. Uh, but you know, the, the decision came down to the, the great fortune that Carolyn Miss had published that exact moment, a book called the sacred contracts. And I had been following her work for the whole three years already and found a lot of uh, what I thought to be remedy and self-knowledge in that. So I just I just grabbed the book. I didn't know what it was about. I began to read it. And uh, it's like, oh, archetypes, what I had studied about in university, only on an academic level, never, never went deep into it in any way. And, uh, and then within, I swear, five minutes, I was able to identify the one archetype that was sucking the life out of me that, um, you know, it's, it's the rebel. I also kind of call it mermaid, which is where merpreneur comes from. That's a whole other kind of story. <laughs> so, you know, seeing myself as, as the rebel without a cause and fighting all of the wrong things, mostly myself, all of my energy that I, I would have used to heal was, was tied up in that suppression, right? I, I grew up and... 
uh, I never fit in. My first word was no. I, I, I was considered a troublemaker. I ran away several times as a teenager. I, I spent a night in jail. Uh, you know, just was not going to stand for people powering over me and, and making no sense whatsoever. Uh, so, so you know, I, I wasn't quite so righteous. I would, I would pretend to be righteous, but, but really, just fighting in every direction, not having any understanding exactly what I was fighting for or who I was, and what my purpose was. So, um, the whole thing culminated. You know, I, I went to India eight times, searching for myself, and studied with a white-bearded guru on a mountain. That didn't, uh, you know, the, the moment I was diagnosed with cancer, he was diagnosed as a pedophile. Sorry for saying that. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy. First-hand uh, stories came out by uh, lots of people. So then I was a kite without a, a string, and I'm just flying, and I'm responsible for myself. I realize. So when I got sick, it was, it was a full stop. It gave me permission. Unfortunately, I should have, you know, now I'm a stand for people to make those decisions much sooner when you get, because I had lots of warning signs and I had a great big lump in my neck uh, and I was not well. My energy was, was terrible, but I was, um, I was actually equally driven by my purpose as I was to earn a living and be part of my family's business. I felt obligated to help them after the recession of the 90s really kicked their butt. And so I, had, I did have this double life like you were reading. I almost wanted to cry when you read my bio. It's like, oh, it's sad. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the severe diagnosis was what I needed. It was the board in the face to say, Beth, this is not your path. You have to leave. So, you know, never went back to my office. Uh, my, my father wanted me to work through the whole illness because in his mind, work was purpose. And if I didn't work, then I was purposeless. So that's actually kind of true for King Heroes. You know, the work is, is much more central to the purpose, not that it's not to a woman. It's, it's just a different, a different, um, mix of energies there in the masculine feminine archetypes but uh, yeah so I never returned and fought for my life for the three years once I discovered the archetype that was so out of alignment I tweaked it practically overnight and next thing you know I went from dying to living against the odds within I don't know three or four months I was actually back in the hospital where I'd received all the chemotherapy this time playing music for other patients that were receiving treatments I had almost no right. hair. Yeah, I got hired. It was it was like, oh, okay. And it, I, it was a good test of how much I had healed from the PTSD of the whole experience because I used to hit the front door of that hospital and I would begin to like get sick from that. Or I would even just think of going there. Little wave now, I must have some of that left over. But, uh, but yeah, I was able to go in and play for people. Uh, I remember meeting my oncologist one day. He just was walking right by me, didn't recognize me. I went running after him and said like, hey, I didn't die. Write about this in my book as well. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you don't remember me? He said, yeah, I do. And I'm like, oh, okay. It was just like, wow, you don't care or you're stunned. Or he's and pissed. He's pissed. <laughs> he's like, yeah, because you know he was wrong, I guess. And yeah. uh, and then, um, you know, as it turned out, uh, probably six months later, he committed suicide. I don't know. I don't know if it had anything to do with me, <laughs> or you know, wow. just his yeah, yeah, terrible, terrible experience as a doctor. That when when you really can't help people, when you're you're just cutting and burning, and the vast majority of people don't don't get out alive. They just get more and more sick. 
So uh, that so was the I beginning. So I guess it's a rough blow when a doctor finds out he's not God after all, huh? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, he was a tortured soul. Definitely a bad cop. He would he would scare me uh, into all of the, you know, I did 11 months straight chemotherapy in the first rounds. The second time I was every day for five weeks in chemo throwing the book at me. I'm not, I'm not blaming him. He's just using the tools that he had. But, uh, but it's all so deadly, really evil technology going on there. I would say that some of the, some of those practitioners are demonic though. And that's why they're there. Not saying all oncologists are my, my wife was an oncology nurse for years and that was tough. Those were tough years, but, um, mm -hmm. you see it some, and some of those practitioners are not even, I don't even like calling them practitioners, right? They're like mad scientists or something, but, uh, they're there for a reason. They're, they're psychopaths, <laughs> you know, I or, hate they, to say or they, yeah. Or they turn into one, right. Mm -hmm. If they come in with the good heart, which I think is common, they want to help people. But, but the typical thing I've known since I was a kid is that people get into these helping professions because they themselves are broken. And in the medical world, there's absolutely no requirement that you do your own healing. Oh, yeah. So they just go deeper and deeper into suppression of their own thing and then end up with a big drug problem or the suicide or some kind of misery. I mean, it's a great representation of the materialism that dominates this realm right now. It's like this total lack of any self-understanding or rex reflexivity with these doctors. As they, we, Bear and I have talked about this on the podcast so many times. You, you go up, you roll up to hospital and you see the nurses and doctors outside having a smoke break, right? And you're like, what the oh, hell yeah. is the disconnect here? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, when I worked in uh, emergency services, this just, you know worked with a lot of the staff there, let's just say some of the supplies uh, that had to do with, uh, you know, maybe certain kinds of local anesthetics and uh, pain reduction medications seem to just fly off the shelves uh, amongst the staff themselves, you know, so they all had the biggest drug problems because they could get the good stuff. So Beth, um, mm -hmm. you know, this thing of purpose, I think is really key. And I think we can see it in the larger society today. You know, all of us, every single one of us, we've put a lot of uh, energy, we'll say, and things in motion for many embodiments. And then when we, you know, hop into another simulation, uh, you know, there's certain um, accumulations that uh, will really give us uh, talents or, you know, gifts that we can give to the world and also certain things we still need to deal with. And, uh, you know, and, and that really gets back, you know, the first part, you know, those gifts that each one of us have uh, that taps into our, our creativity, our, you know, our real divinity. And when that is stifled, um, it, it creates a great degree of frustration. And it's the beginning of all of our problems, I think. And what you see today is a lot of people just sitting home, uh, you know, behind the keyboards and smoking weed and, and not working or fulfilling their purpose. And you see a lot of frustration out there. So you're one of those people that, you know, obviously you weren't destined to just remain stifled forever. And you, you know, created a situation that allowed you to tap in and get back in alignment. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about the services, uh, you know, and just your, I don't know what terminology is best to coaching, the teaching that you do with your clients, you know, to help them realign like you did and maybe not have to create a real intense situation first, uh, you know, just to do that. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna stand for. It doesn't have to become a big emergency before you start making choices mm-hmm. like that. And uh, one of the things that happened to me in in the whole three years of fighting for my life is that I had what uh, I considered to be a near death experience, not not a, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of a thing, not none of that that typical stuff. But it was it was the end of me. I you know I, my my body was functionless. I couldn't even sit up. I couldn't hold anything. Very severe reactions to uh, all that chemo that I was going through. And uh, I could feel the life force uh, draining out of my body. And I thought, you know, okay, time to call in some help again, like I usually do. And I just said to myself, not this time, not, I'm not going to do that. I'm making myself cry here. (laughs) And, um, and then, so I I let go and I surrendered. It's kind of like what you were talking about Bear. that, um, you know, when, when you let go is, is really when the biggest breakthroughs go. So I just uh, uh, happened. So I, I, I said, okay, death can have me. And I, I sunk into this blackness and I swear in about 10 seconds, it wasn't black at all. And this um, overwhelming joy came over me and I'm like, huh, what's, what's going on here? This doesn't seem like death at all. And uh, so I had some major revelations in in that moment, and and it really was about purpose and seeing that that um, we all came here for a reason, and that if I didn't live through the ordeal that I was going through and fulfill on my purpose now, I was just going to have to come back and do it all over again. So I realized it was a binding contract. So then I also realized that my contract was not really about me. It's, you know, it's very easy to go through life thinking that uh, it's, it's just about you. We're very, we tend to be very ego centered, which is not inherently a problem, but uh, you know, so I, I saw that not only was I here to do something, but it was intimately tied with my people who I didn't know yet. And is like, okay, take in that information. And the whole thing was so uh, profound for me. It actually sent me into remission the first time. So that was my, uh, I knew, I knew um, at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't sick anymore with cancer. I knew the difference between how cancer feels and how the sickness of chemo feels and, and the cancer sickness was, was utterly gone. Tests proved it. Uh, I still couldn't recover after 18 months, but uh, but but back to that realization that okay, you're here for something. I already knew it. I was already leading that double life and pr- very aggressively pursuing the things I was passionate about and and gifted at. Uh, and then and then being in this business world, which was also related. So that was another hard part about it because it it, it is very related to my purpose to to bring value to the world, you know, compared to the banks and the governments and and all of those institutions that all they do is suck the value out of society. I knew we were here to bring it and uh, and that business is a good path and people should be rewarded. And I love that you guys have a, a good business in the back end. You you have to do that, otherwise you couldn't do what you do for us at, uh, at, at little or, or no charge often. Here we are at no charge. And so I liked business and I, and I, I just, I was in, I was, you know, since I was at 10 years old, I was working in my parents' marketing firm and I was a, a business geek and nerd already. But then I, by, by going through this experience uh, of what I considered to be dying, I realized, oh, okay, I can do this in another context with my people and how, how key, you know, purpose to me, purpose and connection are almost the same thing because you cannot have one without the other. And I've spent my whole entire life 
um, you know, refining who are my people, uh, both from a, a business perspective, but also very much from that that purpose side. And, and frankly, thanks to the pandemic, now I'm a hundred percent clear who my people are, <laughs> and uh, and they're mm-hmm. really coming in the door. It's a, I mean, I've been, I've been in business for myself for twenty years since surviving, and and it's it's gone well. Uh, I've worked my butt off because I had to, you know, had a baby in the, in the process. I wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant. And uh, after all of that, that chemotherapy, but all of a sudden I wanted to have a, a baby. I was pregnant in about five minutes and, and there it came. So, so the business side of things has always been forward for me. And I love to pass that on to people, how they can turn their, passions and talents and interests, ultimately their purpose into a business. Because if you're stuck, like I was trying to do it part-time on the side and stealing time here out of your sleep and out of your eating time and never mind enjoying life, because that's, that's a big part of it, then you're always going to feel split. So I knew that I had to create a, a business and a life that were really the same, not having a personal life and a professional life that, that they, they merged, they married and and came the same thing. So I get no end of joy and pleasure out of my work. Uh, I won't pretend that there's a lot of stuff that I, I don't love and there's there's hardship and there's struggle and, and there's disappointment, you know, wins and losses and all the ups and downs. But, uh, you know, for example, doing what we're doing right now, I know I'm going to feel like a million dollars after, right? If I'm low energy going yeah. into a coaching call or an, an, an interview on the King Heroes Journey podcast or um, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's life-giving. And that's the sign that you are in alignment with that purpose. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a great observation. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, early on um, in my work, I would, uh, you know, have very exhausting days when I was just kind of learning the ropes and I'd see a lot of people every single day. And then something shifted, you know, a while later, and then I could go, you know, into the clinic kind of low energy and, um, you know, maybe I'm not up for this day, but I'd always feel way better when I left because I learned how to, you know, relieve the burden from myself uh, with the understanding that, no, I, I, you know, it's not up to me to do anything. It's just about to hold the space for people. And then to do that, you have to bring in other energetics that, you know, heal yourself in the process. So it's a wonderful thing. You know, I'd like to back up just a little bit. I think it's important uh, while we're on this topic here, and I want to get back into what you're saying and the ramifications, uh, you know, within a larger context and, you know, all the things that we're up against these days. But uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about the anatomy of disease, because of course, where medicine is now, it's really in a superstitious Maya that keeps you um, believing that this is you, this, this biology and your problem is here and that you're basically a victim of it. And it's so farcical and so uh, dark ages, it's unimaginable. And so, you know, in, the, in, the, in, in other areas of like uh, wave physics that we always talk about, uh, you know, when you're trying to create technologies and things and you're, you realize there's all these levels of energetics. Uh, and then if you go at the lowest level and intervene there, you create chaos. And that's exactly what you're doing 
with conventional medicine these days. However, when you understand how everything starts at these more refined levels and then filters down into the level where we think the problem is, now we're uh, understanding how to intervene at those levels. And what we're doing you know, at those creative levels is creating coherence instead of chaos. And then the coherence then will filter down on the ground. So, you know, that's what you experience on the ground. So uh, what we have to understand is, uh, you know, what is this thing that we call disease? It's really not what we think it is at all. And I've related a couple of times on, uh, you know, our episodes in the past, I had one issue that kind of brought me to my knees uh, years back. And some people call it Lyme's. I, uh, Lyme. I have a little bit of a different take on it, but it did, um, it did humble me greatly. And so I had to kind of go into some space and walk my talk a little bit. And uh, what I was able to see in the process is literally an electronic overlay. And in that overlay, I could distinguish very easily in that space, the difference between what, you know, maybe I thought was a problem with my neurology versus the electronics that were actually happening. And then uh, a funny thing happened when I kind of saw that firsthand. Uh, the first thing I would do is have a sense of elation that, oh, the problem here is history. But then what I came to conclude was that every time that I kind of went back there, even in a positive mode of, oh, it's, it's better now, then boom, it would take me back into that consciousness and symptoms would come back like that. So it took for myself a great uh, deal of perseverance and focus to just, uh, uh, you know, just focus on the, you know, where the overlay was coming from, stay there only, don't even pay attention to, you know, the physicality of it. And then, you know, in a short time, boom, it lifted, the electronics were shattered, you know, the, 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 the realignment happened with what my original divine pattern is that we all have. And uh, also I'll let you comment on that, but I'm also glad to see that you're employing purring therapy there. <laughs> yeah. He's on every stream. So this is ocean might be the Beth and ocean show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's fascinating because we are all brainwashed. Of course, or, you know, certainly I, I grew up with medical people, right? I had, I had uh, aunts and uncles and, uh, and cousins and you name it. They were doctors and, and nurses and medical administrators. So they were really, really intense into that medical model. And in fact, that's how I think I got sick in the first place, that I got scared of cancer early on in my life. I heard them talking about it. They couldn't even say the word cancer. They would say this, it was the big C, right? So that's how scary it was. You couldn't even say the word. And then when I got sick, there was a full belief in, in germ theory. And, uh, you know, that, that's always the big question. Like, why am I so sick? Why am I losing my life? Why am I going to die? What's I mean, that was total mystery. I couldn't figure it out. And, and you go searching and, and then, you know, things can make sense of the germ theory. Someone said like, oh yeah, the, you know, the cold sore virus, it's a precursor to cancer. And so that makes a little bit of logic, but there's no breakthrough, right? So making sense of it didn't, didn't satisfy, didn't shift anything for me. And, and then it, it's, it's the same thing they've done with the pandemic is that the, the enemy is not only out there coming for you, it's in here right? So you've got that evil thing and, and uh, never mind the whole new age 
interpretation of disease, sending you on a whole other rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, I, I remember the confusion about like, you know, should I pay attention to this tumor? Or should I distract away from this tumor or, you know, they're like, don't feed the wolf that, you know, don't feed the, the, the wolf. So it's like, Oh, don't think about it. But then you only think about it. And uh, yeah, I was actually very fortunate because I had been making those trips to India and uh, was a very, you know, ardent meditator. I took my spiritual life very seriously. I listened to everything that guru told me to do and, and I actually made good on it. I, I spent eight years with, with a lot of, uh, a lot of practice under my belt at that point. So I, I was able to self-reflect and go inside and ask deep questions like that. But, uh, but the whole, the whole paradigm really didn't shift for me. It, it was still right up until the end, it was about killing that cancer so I could live rather than seeing the, the terrain, uh, you know, thing, even, even it's been this year, you talking uh, bear about cancer that, that I had an epiphany again, because I've come to see it with say microbes and all that kind of thing. But of course, cancer is the answer to the, to the, the terrain that, that isn't healthy. And it's not my enemy, it's actually uh, my assistant. It's saying, okay, here, I'm helping you. And uh, this, this is how it looks. And yeah, you're sick and miserable, but that's, that's what balance looks like right now. So I have a, a very, very different perspective. And, and for me, it was really the, the psychic, emotional, spiritual stuff that, that was the, that, that breakthrough, like you're describing as well, that it was, it was seeing myself and, uh, you know, I, I, I never did put up a shingle saying, yeah, I can help you heal of cancer, even though I have probably a thousand tips now about what to eat and, and supplements to take and all kinds of things, you name it. I, I got ozone therapy right in my veins and, uh, you know, uh, photophoresis, uh, UV, like they would take my blood and, and UV radiate it and give it back to me on the other side. And, um, endless, endless supplements and, and herbs and high, high, powered stuff. You know, I spent probably $50,000 went into really severe debt for me. That was, that was very severe. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was just this mystery, but when I saw how I was suppressing a really important part of myself by, you know, I was trying to actually be a good person. I had been this badass and running away and getting in trouble and I wanted to turn around and, and redeem myself. That's why I was having a normal life and I was trying to, you know, date normal people. And I was, uh, I had a normal house and a normal car and I was just trying to not be the rebel. But in the process, I, I, I suppressed that part of myself and it won't stand for it. You know, it was, it was trying to get my attention and, and it was through the illness. It's like, oh, I didn't get your attention just by a little lump in your neck. Let's see if we give you a lump in your neck and total insomnia. And, uh, oh, and then feeling sick every day. And, uh, you know, I'd have the tiniest little sip of, of wine or something, which I, I don't even, I never did drink much, but, you know, just casually out, out and about. And, and my whole body would go into conniptions on one taste of alcohol. That was a, a real symptom of the lymphoma that I had. And so all of these signs ramped up until finally the end came, like I described before, uh, but, uh, you know, all of, all of your energy is mostly tied up in that unconscious. So it became an adventure after that, even, you know, just turning the corner was for me, just the beginning of, of that process of refriending my, my, uh, my body, my purpose and, and, uh, life, um, on earth. I don't know how you can describe that anymore from flat earth perspective, but, uh, so then, 
I, I became a student of energy and I learned to recognize the difference between an energy loss and an energy gain. And that's not as simple as it sounds because we have things like adrenaline and dopamine, the fake or pseudo energy that I talk about. And it's, uh, it's very convincing. You know, all of a sudden you feel high and happy and you're bouncing off the wall, but it's all adrenaline and you're headed for a time when you have to rebalance and you'll, you'll go lower than, than you were, uh, you know, I think you guys get what I'm, I'm saying here, but you know, what is true energy? And, and, and it really, it's, it's quite simple. Now, everybody has to know this for themselves. It's not, it's not information that I'm giving, but it, it is your God self, right? Go right to the source. The source. There's, no, there's no middle man there. And, and if you plug into your own source like that, that's, that's where you, you gain clarity. You see where you're stuck. You see the difference between moving in stuck energy or, or, or you know, life growing or life diminishing. And, uh, you know, I, I developed enough discrimination to see where things, you know, I, I, to this day, I'm still dealing with the same demon. There's I, the demon lever left me. And as far as I can tell, it's going to be the lifelong. These are the demons I signed up with because they're an exact match to my purpose, right? I, I called, I called these demons in, but you can get to a place where they are much more subtle, right? I, I don't really have to get noticeably ill anymore. I'll get tiny little signs and it's like, oh, okay, something needs to shift and, and change here and I can react to it when it's, uh, when it's not so big, but that, um, you know, so that, that, that rebel that I was needed to come forward. I couldn't just cut it off at the head and say, you're done. You're out of here. You got me in trouble. And now I'm going on with my life. No, it's like, this is an integral part of how now I, I can't prove any of this stuff, but I do see myself having this moment of like, okay, I'm going in again. And, and what do I need on this mission, I'm going to pull in some rebel and I'm going to pull in some lover and I'm going to pull in some alchemist and I'm going to pull in some king archetype, which I thought was the queen, but it's not <laughs> definitely not feminine. Uh, so, you know, just here's all my tools and, 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 and uh, the lenses through which God energy can come through. Uh, if we start, to, for example, talking about archetypes now for anybody who hasn't uh, looked into my work, I, I take full license on this stuff. If I can't find it, in here, I can't treat it to be true. So I'm a person that will do all of my work inside first. And then I'm going to go out and check and see, you know, is it a match with anything at all? And oh, here's some parallels. And that's not me. But I but I did notice that practically everybody in the archetype world is doing that. So I gave myself permission as well. And, uh, and so I don't say, say Carl Jung, and I had a talk today, <clears throat> we would disagree about what archetypes fundamentally are. To me, they are not alive. They are not creatures. They're not like demons. They're not something, you know, and, and I made the mistake many years already to call on archetypes as if they were an entity. And uh, from what I can gather, all you get when you do that are entities. <laughs> you make mm -hmm. holes in your system for stuff to come in. And, and I came full circle and saw no arch archetypes really are uh, a lens through which God energy shines. And that mm. is what makes the infinite variety in our, you know, there's no two people ever in all time that, that are the same. Even the identical twins have, have different psychological and emotional makeups and spiritual inclinations, right? It's amazing how, how God could every spring come up with a brand new version of, of the natural world world just you know insatiable variety 
And so that's, that's what you're dealing with now. Now it's not chaos. I think you said it earlier, Bear, that, that we're always being um, bombarded with chaos. They, they throw, whether it's scalar waves or the, the chemicals at us, um, you know, confusion, impossible circumstances to make us feel like the world is chaos. Oh, anybody could get sick anytime. Even, even a healthy person could pass on this, this illness. And, and, uh, and then we're all in a state of chaos thinking that the world is chaotic and we need some outside structure to come in and uh, give us, give us that, uh, that structure is what I meant to say. Now that couldn't be further from the truth. The, the archetypes reveal that the the uh, the world we live in is highly ordered, right? At every level, not just the archetypes are incredibly consistent, and and literally scripted and reliable and patterns that can be memorized and and recognized. But but even the uh, the emotional world, there's a there's a scale like music, and it goes up and it goes down, and it, it you can you can play it like an instrument, right? Uh, so, so many levels, the elements that are, that are so consistent, there's only five of them. And, and yet we got this huge variety of, of things going on. So by, by following the order, including at the level of archetypes, I, I teach uh, clients and students, for example, to memorize the signature vibration uh, of, of, of feelings. We think we know what they feel like and, 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 and you do, but like memorize the vibration, what's actually happening at the energetic level here. It has a signature stamp on it. And if you, if you start to see what it is, then, then you're way ahead of the game. Uh, same with all of the unconscious programming, which the, you could, you can talk about archetype shadows. So archetypes are always in two realms at the same time. Uh, they are, you're either aware of them as a, as a tool and energy that you can use to, to support your life and, and your mission, or they are in the unconscious acting like an enemy against your life and your mission, not because there's any cruelty built in. It's just trying to get your attention. And unfortunately, good things don't really get our attention. <laughs> it's only the, the mishaps. So then the uh, archetypes are very powerful for, for pointing out where you're stuck. They can be that starting point, like, oh my gosh, I hear the script of the alchemist that's grumpy about all of the bullshit. Can I swear on your podcast? Sure, <laughs> By the way. you can say yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, the bullshit that's going on out there. And, uh, and then it would point to, oh, well, it, that's bringing up a program in me that tells me no matter what I do, I can't win. And, uh, oh, okay, well, I'm going to study that vibration and see, is that really true? And, and then I can make a new decision. No, actually, I don't want to hold on to that program. I want freedom. I don't want to be a slave to my fear. I want to be a slave to my purpose. Actually, if I have to be a slave on slave earth, if, you know, that's the whole Gnostic view of it, which I don't really believe anymore, but that's how I played my way out of it. And uh, so that's why the archetypes are, are, are so beautiful. They're, they are about the pattern that's already there in nature. You're not creating or in inventing anything. Yet through it, you become the creator and the, the inventor making life. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can't convince me that, that I'm a slave. I feel totally free when I'm creating. Yeah. I think of um, archetypes as more role models and, you know, just kind of uh, characters and all characters have their strengths and their challenges. So you kind of tune in it to the perfect archetype at the, at the time that's going to give you those 
attributes to model your behavior. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if that's exactly your take, but you know, the human body, as we think of it, is the most marvelous advanced biofeedback bio technology imaginable. And when you really learn how to play that instrument and use it, it's going to tell you what you need every single moment. And, you know, going back to those other, you know, levels, you know, where true coherence already exists, uh, you know, the body tells you when those layers are experiencing overlays and, you know, what to do about them. And I like to just, you know, at the end of every day, think of um, the day as a ledger sheet, you know, how many how many double plus good thoughts and emotions did I have versus, you know, the opposite. And it's, it's really that simple. And, uh, you know, I think the more we get to use the body as a tool, rather than think of it as something that has any power over us in the first place, because I mean, we're the ones that are creating it every single moment in the first place. Uh, you know, it just gets down to real simple physics because, uh, you know, you're either, creating, you know, with our thoughts and emotions and beliefs, uh, that kind of aligning with that original golden mean kind of energy, or else we're creating the overlays that are preventing that from coming in. And um, it's pretty basic stuff, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I like what you say about, what, about overlay. It reminds me of my stream yard when I can put an image on top of everything and you don't see anything behind it, literally. And that's how the programming in the unconscious works. It is it is completely opaque. You cannot see through it. Uh, I've, I've proved it to myself over and over again how you know a certain program that's that's associated with a, one or more archetypes, uh, and it just it by all of my senses it feels true that you know I'll, I'll, I'll use that can't win program again that that's been uh, one that I've I've worked with my whole entire life at, at a variety of levels levels and. Uh, you know, when it feels like I can't win, it just, it just, yep, I have all the evidence for it. I got past evidence. I've got current circumstances. It just seems true. I, I feel like that. I'm identified with it because it's a vibration that I've carried the whole life. So I think it to be me. But when I challenge that and I say like, you know, is that, is that really true? If you use your, your discrimination and, and ask yourself that you can't win, well, it's like, hmm, well, actually it's not true. Could I let go of what's not true? And, and all of a sudden it's like somebody pulled the curtains open and, and the light shines brighter and color is, is uh, more vibrant. And all of a sudden there's clarity about not, not how I can win because that's actually two sides of a, of a, of a program. Winning is not even the question at the end of the day when you let that program go. It's not about winning at all. It's, it's, it's presence and being alive and, and reacting and responding to your environment, interacting with it for the, um, for the joy, actually, of it that's really deep down what I discovered in myself. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of places that you can, you can get lost in. And then there's a lot of places to get found in. And, and those two actions of getting lost and found are actually both necessary. They create a rub, right? It's, it's like um, churning milk into butter that, you know, remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting. And that's one of my missions with teaching people about the hero's journey to never get defeated when they feel like they are starting over or beginning again. Like, oh, I thought I knew something and here I am just feeling like a little kid all lost and confused. 
Um, but that's, you know, the, 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 the hero's journey, the archetypes, they, they work in spirals, not just a circle of a journey and then you're done. It, it has what appears to be an endless, infinite um, ability to move up and also down infinitely. <laughs> so no mm. end to both of those. It's fractal in that way, like nature. Um, exactly. So Jung would say that this was all a collective unconscious and these archetypes are what like egregores or something, right? Like they have an, their own consciousness to them. Mm -hmm. um, what you're saying is this is more like um, God's divine matrix or divine um, scaffolding for us. Ooh, it, I love that. Yeah. And so I, I like to think of things always in design wise and coding and stuff, you know, so and Bear and I talk a lot about the idea of this being a simulation and uh, do archetypes are there new archetypes that can unfold that or is this kind of preset and have you kind of really lined all those out i i believe that archetypes can be created we are we are creative beings uh so that we always hold that capacity as as the god spark to create whatever it is and there was never a tech geek archetype you know 25 <laughs> years ago, for example, and now you can see them coming a mile away. They're like, oh, I know they spend all their time in their basement in front of Wi-Fi <laughs> working through stuff. Uh, so yes, we can create and we can also reclaim, you know, archetypes end up very hijacked, weaponized, literally weaponized against us. Uh, I'm currently doing a course called Primal, Ca Primal Power. And uh, unlike my book, which is the, the archetypes of the hero's journey and the stages and phases that you go through, the primal archetypes are there at every stage of the hero's journey. Very confronting because they are the precipice between life and death where you get very confronted about um, that basic idea that you won't survive, which is the Achilles heel of all of humanity right now, because as long as we fear death, we are controllable that that's the basic bottom line if you can scare somebody you can make them do something out of fear uh now now that's not the only option there's another option you can also do stuff out of love so that's that's the whole work is to help people to detox the the fear to deprogram the mechanism of fear that that is just really an old habit you know the, and there, there's primary programs that operate they're they're highly predictable they're 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 there. And, and if you ask questions and, and um, make a new agreement with yourself, you can let that stuff go. It's, it's actually really interesting to watch because people who are super spiritual don't like it. it there's no off ramp. There's no way to, to go sideways and, and get lost. It's just between you and your program. It's no longer outside circumstances that you're wrestling with. And it's very confronting. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to die because that's what the programming not only tells you you're going to die, but it's the feeling of dying, which I know now. And the feeling of dying is not death. That, that's, that's a big uh, lie. And uh, it's actually artificial intelligence. So it's, it, you never have to feel like you're dealing with an enemy. It's, it's just your own energy that you uh, tacitly agreed to. I'm very into the law these days, as I know many people are. It, it is a tacit agreement to operate a program as a loop. It just goes in circles and, and it, all it knows is, is that you're going to die. Nobody loves you. You're not in control. You're not connected to anybody. And, uh, and, and we need to learn discrimination and see, like, why am I taking instructions from, from my own AI program that I created? Hmm, kind of backwards. So you turn into the king and you learn to be the one who's asking the questions. 
and uh, and and having that clarity like okay th- th- this is oh i'm sink- sinking a lot of energy into running this ai day after day after day, day moment to moment even right through my sleep i'm running it and uh, now i can choose again and just say that uh, oh poor thing you're suffering come here i'll give you a hug and i've got this handled you don't have to look after me i'll take care of you you know kind of personifying it but at the end of the day it's ju- it's all just you i don't know if that answered your yeah, question and- at all <laughs> And it really gets into the whole concept of sovereignty, you know, in uh, America, uh, forgive me, because I know there's three Americas, uh, Canada, South America. So I am always inclusive in that because they are meant to be not in a political barrier sort of, uh, you know, artifice, but, you know, it is a collected landmass and energetic. But uh, in uh, the U.S., we'll say uh, this was created as a republic where we are all considered sovereigns, but without subjects. And of course, our whole model of government that actually followed natural law is uh, very um, subverted these days where sovereignty uh, and sovereigns are considered, you know, kind of like a bad thing because, oh, you don't care about the collective and who do you think you are to not have to obey and, you know, pay your fair share and all these sorts of things. But, you know, in um, early on, uh, you know, in my study of homeopathy, I learned about miasms, which of course are collective um, electronic overlays, we'll say. And we identify certain uh, overlays, miasms that are the origins of all what we consider disease in the physical body. And one of them is the cancer miasm. And the cancer miasm historically was created at uh, a time in the uh, Atlantean civilization where certain domineering individuals, just a minority of people, created, um, you know, this whole system where everybody else was subservient. Now, what happened is the larger collective failed to stand up for themselves and just allowed that to happen. Of course, you know, it, it ended up in the demise of the entire continent eventually. But in the meantime, it created this electronic overlay or cancer miasm that we're still working out in our collective. And when you have um, the inability to draw your line in the sand or you think you have no right, then, of course, any microscopic event that might even be a beneficial pre-programmed design of your body to heal you, then, uh, you know, your belief system allows these uh, these otherwise insignificant events to start running the show. You know, it's like the the, you know, the lunatics running the asylum. And so that's the beginning of all of our problems. And so what I would always like to really lead people to in my work was the understanding that, look, uh, you know, it all begins there. You have to reclaim your sovereignty. You owe no allegiance or authority to anybody but yourself and your creator. And of course, the oldest trick in the book is government's mind control, institutionalized mind control, that that's all it is, are constantly trying to convince us of otherwise. And that is the root of all disease. So I think, um, 
you know, you're making some excellent points here. And maybe would you like to segue in with that as far as, uh, you know, where we find ourselves now in the larger picture? Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. So um, I didn't wake up very early. I think it was uh, it was starting to happen 2015, and it wasn't until my mom passed away that the the veil came down. Very interesting timing to lose your parents and then wake up because uh, I'm sure they would have completely just gone like Beth. You've really gone over the edge, and that's it. It's over, like the rest of my family has done now. So, um, you know, when, once you once you see that stuff, your your brain does start to work your way through. And I and I have this basic knowledge, like you're saying about freedom. I I, I know myself to be free. I've seen myself uh, time and time and time and time and time again. It's absolutely irrefutable. Nobody could ever talk me out of that experience that I am free in reality. And that it. I love what you said, Bear, about it's between you and your creator. That's that is your authority. That is the highest authority. And guess what, creator gave you that right so it's it's not even like we're we're just one level down and there's god it's it god gave us that spark and and that's the thing that we're we're suffering with right now so many people don't have a connection with that so they don't have a connection with their purpose which is coming direct from god and and then they walk in the world in a way that they act to be anything but free they'll argue for their enslavement they will act like you're trying to kill them when when you try to uh free them like that that bird in a cage and so uh this you know since since this last year and and when things have gone so badly sideways which i was prepared for luckily thanks to people like yourself that are out out there and uh reading the signs that are there to be seen in plain sight so I had a little bit of preparation emotionally. I'd been through my mom's death, my dad's death, very big losses, faced my own death. So came out the other side with a new awareness of, of the hero's journey. And uh, and then next thing you know, the, the uh, had had colleagues and friends and, and, and lots of you guys out there in the truth world too started going, okay, well, what can we legally do? And what about the Charter of Rights and the Constitution and all this kind of stuff? And what is sovereignty? And, and uh, you know, in Canada, we have... We have uh, the the royalty and the queen, and uh, she she swore the nineteen. Uh, am I going to get the date right? The nineteen fifty three coronation uh, oath that everything is hinging on, and you know Canada never really did become a country. They loopholed that, so we're actually a corporation, which every country is anyway. But nobody knows Canada doesn't exist, and that you know back in sixteen eleven with the SESTA-KV Trust, the they they uh, the the royalty claimed only ownership over absolutely everything, the land, the waters, the sea, uh, our our blood, our bones, every bit of biomass in perpetuity going moving forward. And, you know, so like they just they just claimed it all and created this massive fiction, which is really operates like an AI. It has life, but only the life that we give it. It has no actual structure in nature. It is, it is an artificial structure that must be upheld on a regular basis. It must be enforced. There's no natural law inside of it at all. And uh, so, you know, we've been working very hard to crack the nut. I'm a baby. I'm still in diapers. Thanks to people like Crow Triple Seven. I've been uh, interviewing Alphonse Fagiolo a couple of times and Tom Barnett. And uh, we're just about to announce, I hope you don't mind me sharing, uh, a Choose Freedom Law Summit with Matt Bell 
Stellar and myself have partnered up to to put on a, a summit. We're we're both running so hard in our own directions, but we feel compelled to to do this as well. Have started some interviews, and uh, I'm going to be announcing that the the signups will start tomorrow during my podcast with Catherine Austin Fitz. So she's technically the first one, even though she doesn't entirely know it <laughs> in the summit as we get our ducks in a row. Uh, wanting to bring remedy to people and 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 share some basic things that, that um, you know I've cha- I've started changing out my signature on official documents like my driver's license and my passport and my son's passport. I have my registration of live birth so I can prove I'm a living women woman, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But you know here we go, having to prove the the flesh and 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 the bones. Uh, learning how to speak, how, how to be in honor, how to have God as as the authority and, and not listen to the grocery store clerk when she says I have to, have to muzzle myself or, um, you know, when, when they start coming at us heavy about the jab. We've we've got now the government is propagandizing here in Manitoba or China, China Del, where I live, that um, you should shun people who don't get the jab. <laughs> Right, like we're going to live in an era where they, where they, the government recommends shunning people. Oh, fascinating! Wow, what is what a we're we're already way off into the you know technocratic totalitarian society here in Canada. We were sitting ducks, like we were joking earlier on. We're 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 such a bunch of polite people, always apologizing for every little thing, and uh, we just take it. And you know, I remember people early on and going, "Oh, I think Trudeau is doing an amazing job handling this pandemic. He's here. He's the hero, right?" This and it's like, "No, no, he's the killer." He's a, he's a psychopath. He doesn't hold your best interest by any means. So we're busy trying to crack the code. We have the likes of uh, Cal Washington uh, in, in our zone. Very lucky. We got to spend, I couldn't believe, five hours with him last night. It was supposed to be a couple of hours meeting, but it just went on and on and on. Very well attended private meeting. Oh, that's and great. It was amazing, actually. No, I, I, I uh, didn't want to stay up that late, but, but uh, it was well worth it. And, and he's giving some information, but he hasn't cracked all the codes. He's, he's kind of cracked it for himself and yet lives a very inconvenient life. So he knows this is not the thing to go and, and promote to people. Uh, but these guys, these king heroes are putting their heads together, looking for these solutions. Uh, people are getting some remedy, but you can also see they're getting railroaded when it comes to the legal stuff. So at the end of the day, what we have Many people say it. It's not going to be new to you guys, but we we have a spiritual war on our hands. It's extremely tied in with the law, how to be in honor, how to be in integrity with yourself. To me, that's the same as as purpose and your hero's journey. That that's that's honor, all tied in there, and and to walk that very fine razor's edge between life and death. And and as Catherine Austin Fitz says, death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. You got that right there's way worse, yeah. right? So, well, so it turns around. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing that with the jab, right? The idea of you being put into some kind of AI um, stratosphere of control where you're no longer, and, and this is something that I've brought up to a number of, of, of channels and people that are really tapped into what you're talking about is that this is literally changing the what is known as a human. And so if they can alter what a quote unquote living man or woman is, by genetically modifying us into an, something that is other, then potentially they can take out the natural law remedy. But because you have now wholeheartedly agreed to not 
even be a natural man or woman anymore by altering your genetics. Oh, exactly. Never yeah. mind the patent that they own you. Go ahead, Bear. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, the, it gets very simple, even in the legal work. And I've been down that road for many, many years. You know, we had Cal on and, and a lot of good people, uh, Tom Barnett, and you know, and, and we're going to have some of them back on ourselves and we'll travel down that road more for our audience. But um, it's, it gets down to the basics, which is the system makes assumptions. And unless we rebut those assumptions, then, you know, we have contracted with them. And Catherine Austin Fitz actually made a good comment uh, recently on uh, uh, one of my favorite shows, which is the, uh, the dark journalist. Um, and um, he asked her, well, how have they gotten so much, uh, you know, power? How are they, you know, how are they doing what they do? And Catherine just said, well, nobody's ever stopped them. Nobody's ever stood up to them. So now we have a whole new generation, you know, and, and years back when we we're traveling down these roads and going into courts and getting thrown in jail and everything all the time, because, you know, we're kind of learning the system firsthand and just seeing what the truth was and willing to take some bulls for the cause. You know, we, we learned a lot, but now uh, all of these decades later, I'm witnessing all these people just giving this information uh, for free over the internet, you know, we were flying all over the world, you know, picking each other's brains and everything. And not only is it available and people really understanding what we were figuring out, but also taking it to the next level. But, uh, you know, it all begins, of course, internally, once again, because we can have all the the best paperwork in the world and so forth. But unless you own it internally and carry yourself as a sovereign, then they're going to have their way with you. So it's really not about the paperwork after all. And another little, you know, secret for everybody is that these monsters have a code and the code uh, is what they believe gives them, uh, you know, get out of karma free uh, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so they feel that as long as they um, notice us, you know, even if it's on page 300 of, uh, you know, some bill in Congress, you know, that has nothing to do with, you know, where they bury it, you know, the subject matter, uh, or if it's in a science fiction movie or some such thing, you know, they've noticed us. But the other thing is in all of these contracts that we sign, whether it's opening up a bank account, getting a driver's license, uh, you know, passport, you name it. If you read the fine print, you'll always find an option. They always leave an option there for you. And you, they have to do that according to their own code. And, you know, we've uncovered a few of those, not all those, but once you find that, and then use that option that they put there for you. So they can't say, Hey, we never forced you to do anything. They actually work brilliantly, but it's a lot of work for most people. Um, you know, too scary of a path to go down. And then of course, most people won't even open the door because they can't believe anything we're talking about in the first place. But, you know, this is the time where people are making a decision. Not all people are going to choose to move on, you know, to climb the rung of octaves, you know, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're just going to witness a lot of people being taken out in this, uh, 
in the coming months and years uh, of their own volition, even though maybe at the time they don't understand they're making the choice. So Canada is um, quite alarming. You know, in America, of course, they're unrolling things at breath uh, taking speed, uh, same thing, but it seems like we might be a little half a step behind, you know, what Trudeau's accomplished, who's a known pedophile and, you know, all that kind of stuff has been uncovered forever. But um, so how, uh, how scary is it there? Uh, you know, not to make this a fear thing, but, you know, when somebody's demanding, okay, you can't participate in anything within society, unless you have the, the jab passport, then um, it's definitely inconvenient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly very uh, naively felt like this wouldn't happen in my lifetime, maybe not my son's. And here we are, it's kind of next week. Oh, wow, here we go. And uh, they are talking about the vaccine passport and, and they've uh, stopped us from being able to leave the country. Although people, that's not true. People still do it. But of course you have to get a, uh, those awful tests and uh, the quarantines and, and, and stuff like that. You know, right here in Manitoba right now, um, personally, I've shifted. I don't care what kind of, restri- apparently there are new restrictions today. And uh, I just act like I'm, I'm just a person and I'm living my life because it's like you said, the loophole never closes, right? They have to leave the loophole open. Uh, for example, with, with masks, I believe if I'm not mistaken, now you can't like set foot outside your house without one, but, uh, but they still have exemptions. So I, um, for a while I, I was uh, not wearing masks and I was kind of fighting the good fight and I was getting into lots of conflict, not really an honor at all, very, very much still learning how to do that. And then I got uh, very severely crushed after one day when, when they crushed the businesses. So the businesses crushed the people. And uh, I, I was traumatized, literally. I had PTSD and I didn't know it until I, I, I got so, you know, for a couple of months, I was wearing those masks and ordering groceries online and doing whatever I could to get around it. And then I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm completely out of integrity with myself. I can't live with myself anymore. I would rather face whatever consequences or fines, right? They fine us 300 bucks if uh, if we're caught without a mask in a public place or $1,296 if you have any involvement with a, a march or a rally of some kind. Uh, you know, I, I did go to a march last week and there were more police than there were people that day, but it was very sad. And the surveillance was outrageous. They were looking at us from, from uh, buildings with angles. You could see, I was, I was eye to eye with the high powered lens, the photographer behind that, taking pictures of everybody. It was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But, you know, the, the thing is that at the end of the day, moving forward and, I'll just continue to act like I'm free. I was, I was going to share one thing in, uh, I, I was at Anarchapulco and I was coming back last year when I, when we could still travel. I was very grateful to have gone to that event live once. And uh, so I'm coming back and I knew that I was going to have to face those new, what I consider to be retina scanners. They claim they're not retina scanners, but they take a picture at a very high pulsing light for at least 10 seconds. And, uh, and I was dreading it because it, it, it feels like a total affront to my system. It, it's very uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. And, and uh, so I just got my nerve up and I was coming through and I said, um, 
the, that machine gives me a headache. I'm, I'm not going to be able to go through there. And he's like, okay, just go right up to the front then. So I go past the lineup and go up to the front and the lady says, oh, thank God you came here. I'm going to lose my job, my job to those machines. And I'm like, holy crap, what just happened? So then my son and I come through, we went back to Mexico because I had a feeling traveling wasn't going to be easy. I didn't know how I knew, but I knew it. And uh, we're coming back. And again, I said, we're not going to be, we're not going to be going through that machine. And they're like, no problem. Right. Like, and I'm like, huh, what do you mean? No problem. Cause it, everybody's doing it like, like good little soldiers. They're just going and letting their self be blasted. And, and that opened it. Well, what else don't I have to do? And, you know, I, I go to the grocery store and I just say, I have an exemption. If it's super important to me, I'll call ahead and uh, again, ask questions and, and ask for assistance and ask for protection. So I'll, I'll tell the manager, if, if um, it, one of your customers or, or um, uh, one of your employees takes it upon themselves to abuse me, will you, will you assist me? And they're like, oh, yes, of course. And, and they show up with the, practically rolling out the red carpet and walking me through things and setting up transactions so I can just like tap and go, uh, you know, special arrangements and all kinds of things. I feel like royalty in the process, but you, you really do have to uh, take nothing for granted. Oh, oh, you have to tell me that. And this is one of my favorite Tom Barnett lines is, um, are you really sure about that? Are you really sure I have to put a, a medical device on, on my my mouth that um, squelches 30% of my oxygen. Are you really sure? Right. Just to be playful with it and, and ask questions and go back and forth and never stop asking questions. That's, that's what Kings do, right? That's how you end up with, with your power and, and not in conflict either, because arguing you lost as, as soon as you're, you're going to fight with them. You're the loser, especially yeah. of energy and, and uh, your own self-respect. <laughs> Absolutely. If you want to stay in power, ask questions. And we learned that a long time ago. Never answer questions ever. <laughs> Always answer with another question. Exactly. Kind of real basic stuff. Go ahead. One quick story. Oh, oh, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was just saying, don't make claims. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, like you said, Beth, it's, um, it's a tightrope right now to walk into these places. And it's a question of what is our priorities, you know, I, I, it's, we're in a, like you said, we're in a war and sometimes in a war, you can't always be like, you know, I consider myself almost like a spy and the spies would sometimes put the mask on to get past the century because they have the grander vision of winning the war. And if you're going to get caught up, just everybody has got a different perspective and a different thing of what their tolerance is. But sometimes for me to put a gator on and flip it over to get past a century real quick because I'm with my kids or something and I don't want to get into the whole common law kind of debacle with with these century gate people um, is easier. But for the most part, Bear and I are very lucky because we chose to live in a place that people just are are don't aren't buying it. So there's enough oh, of a population here that doesn't wear a mask that you you can get around for the most part. Like I go to this grocery outlet chain I was in there yesterday, bear. I never wear a mask in there. And it's funny. Um, I see people start pulling down their masks when they see me and then it just spreads. It like spreads across the store. And, um, and I know there are places like where you're at, where it's not even the sentry guards. This is the prop. This is the thing we're really facing, right? It's the, the mass hordes. Um, they, there's the people there that are just your common man that are next to you that 
will belittle you because they think you're evil for not wearing a mask because they're that program they're in the program they are the npcs or whatever so you're baron i don't have to really deal with that here but we have i have compassion for someone like you beth that in a place and like if you're in the east coast i know and there's pockets throughout the u.s and la and stuff san francisco where you like there's it's just every day you'd be constantly having to ask those questions and battle to do mm-hmm. simple things. So then you, just, you have to decide, am I going to be completely sovereign? I live in a city, but I start growing all my own food. That's pretty hard to do right out of the gate. Like you're going to need to go get food, right? So then that is a tough situation. So then it's like, where do we draw the line in the sand? Because as Bear said, if we are meek and we, we, we bow down to the system, we're losing our sovereignty and then cancer and all these physical issues um, overpower. So, um, I think what you and Matt are doing and what Foster Gamble said on the show last week is maybe the most crucial thing we we need to do right now as, as the quote unquote awake community is explore these options of remedy for those who are in your situation where you are literally facing this every day just to, um, find sustenance. <laughs> so I know, I know it's wild. Yeah, it's over the top. It's it's really hard to believe. Um, never mind the cost of of human relationships. I know everybody's experienced. Uh, all my best friends are are new friends, right? Yeah. We found each other, and thank God. But uh, there's been a huge uh, vacation or evacuation <laughs> in in my world. And and at the end of the day, that's actually a beautiful thing. I have I have no regrets whatsoever, except some bad behavior at times. Where I didn't, I, I wasn't uh, in, a, in a really good state of honor. But uh, you know, we we are meant to find our people. This has been extremely polarizing, and it's caused a lot more people to show their true colors, who they are, to to risk authenticity. It's like, if not now, when <laughs> are we going to do this? Putting it off, and uh, the the work is now. You know, I was um, messaging with Mark Batelic, who's going to be on our summit last night and uh, he's booking for a a. 1am interview with us in in his time and I went oh my that's such dedication and he said there's a lot of work to be done so you know that's that's where that's where people are at right now I feel incredibly fortunate to be at the apex of the king heroes right it's no mistake or or coincidence that I started uh, collecting king hero stories and uh, interviews and and getting to know the strong men in the world because it seemed like they were gone Right. I, I grew up throughout feminism. I was completely brainwashed by feminism. I figured that any problem in the world was a result of uh, patriarchy and, and men's psyche. And I believed in the whole toxic masculinity stuff. And uh, it actually wasn't really until my dad died that I came face to face with that masculine archetype that I write about a lot of my book, by the way, just the, the weaving of the masculine feminine, how they work so beautifully together as, as like a kind of DNA strand, if that's not a psyop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it is. Uh, so, you know, I, I just all of a sudden woke up to, yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with the, the masculine being toxic. It is, is we, don't, we don't have a patriarchy. We have, we have a psychopath archy. And that comes in now, unfortunately, 29 genders and all kinds of crazy stuff that has nothing to do with reality or nature. And then 
moving forward in in that world, it's it it I just come back to that razor's edge of being true to myself, speaking from from who I am, not like a loose cannon rebel without a cause, but in a very strategic way, strategically to certain people, um, gathering allies, uh, rather than go always going out looking for something what I need. It's all about offering. This is this is the thing about purpose. You know, I had somebody recently message me, and it's becoming more frequent that people will message, uh, "I'm in crisis. Can you help me?" And it's like, "No, actually, I'm sorry, I can't." And 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 then, can you turn it around? And if you're seeking community, what is it that you have to offer? What you what can you go to community with that they can receive and, and make good on, and it'll make you part of the the fabric of of a community. Right. If you're just running like a chicken looking for someone to put your head on or whatever it is, you know, it's it's first of all, it's really super repelling the energy. It's it's either somebody's coming at you with a truck of fear. And I know from a lot of experience, this is the, the nurturer archetype that I write about as well, is that, you know, when you fill an empty cup, you make it more empty. Right. When people are operating from an empty place, then then anything that they fill, it, it just creates more of a void, more of a need and, and uh, convincing of that you don't have anything of value to offer to offer. So that's why we're all committed. We are all absolutely contracted in, a, in, a, in what seems to be a legal way. Right, this, We don't get out of this to give of our gifts. And it doesn't matter how, what, what scale or what kind of a, you know, whether you create a movement or a business or how, how you function through your purpose. Of course, it's always a matter of choice. That, that's the big kicker. Uh, this is the saboteur archetype, by the way, that is one of the primal archetypes that I, I'm teaching about right now. And it will be my second book called I did it. And the saboteur, it is, it is the awareness that, that uh, we all have the free will. We all have to do this. Even, even the Bible is very much confirming that, that each one is going to have to come to their own salvation. It cannot be done for you. It's not like Noah gathering all the people for the ark and he goes off and, and uh, create, you know, started a new humanity. We, we each one have to do it. And, and to, to see that the, the power of free will is there. It's not. Uh, it's not just a little bit. You know, I was weeping and crying to God one day, and, and because some new restrictions had come, and it was very dark here. And I'm praying to God, please, for an intervention of some kind. Can you just come and, like, you know, strike the bad guys down or whatever it is? And and I hear this, Beth. I gave you the miracle. It's called free will. Just use it. <laughs> you got. You've got it. All that power that you you think you don't have. I gave it all to you, not just a little sliver, the whole thing, right? So we haven't woken up to, I won't claim to have woken up to it, but I have created miracles in my life. I have turned things, you know, starting with saving my life from cancer and and many things along the way towards, you know, having a child and uh, repairing my my uh, relationship with my child also was a miracle of, of doing this work and, and daily miracles I see in, in other people's lives of of clients and students. Uh, I now train people as coaches to work with the archetypes to help them to use the, the hero's journey and, and the, um, you know, that the, the basic programming AI stuff that we find inside itself, inside ourselves, how to actually help others. Because to me that at the end of the day is our, 
it's it's our best chance. It's, it is the thing that we need to do. Now, whether I live or or die during this experience, that has become kind of irrelevant. I'm not I'm not fighting for my life anymore. And, and I did realize that 20 years ago, I'm fighting for my soul. Right. So that's that's the thing worth protecting. And you make a lot of different kind of decisions from there rather than than uh, protecting the flesh and and uh, bones at all cost. Yeah. And, you know, I get inquiries all the time. People are saying, well, where should I go? Where should I move? What should I do? And it's all predicated on that. Where's the safe place? And, you know, I just say, I I don't think there's any safe place. I'm where I'm at because I'm supposed to be here. If I had a clear message that I was supposed to be living in San Francisco, I'd live in San Francisco. I'm glad that wasn't my message. But, you know, you have to be where you're supposed to be. And uh, the greatest thing I think a lot of us are figuring out now is uh, the way the universe works. It's about giving. That's all it is, is giving. You're having an amazing adventure because you're giving. You're passing on what you've learned. And it's a matter of helping people along the way, just giving, doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, we've got our own project here. And it's, it's amazing lately because... We're just doing what we're doing, whether or not anybody shows up or not, where it's just what we're supposed to do. And we get calls all the time, people showing up and saying, hey, uh, can we come by? I've got building skills. I've got gardening skills. I, I, you know, I know biogeometry. I, you know, everyone's just coming with the attitude of that. And the other thing I think that we really have to understand is uh, behind the veils there are, uh, there's a hierarchy of intelligence, we'll say, and they need to be invited in. And, you know, the power that you wield from that side of the veil is tremendous, but they can't interfere. So the more, the more of us that align with just giving and, uh, and, you know, reclaiming our sovereignty, then, you know, we are an open conduit. We've opened the door for that to come in. That's our only job. And so I don't wring my hands at all with what's going on in Canada, what's going on here, because I just have a real strong hunch that there's a wild card that hasn't been played yet. And, you know, as we have uh, all this so-called exposure of what the the predators of the fam- uh, of the planet are doing. Um, we're about to. Well, we're also having an exposure of all the you know how the universe really works. It's about resonance, and you know how is it that we all found each other and our circles keep widening, and all these circles are just amazingly uh, brilliant, talented, and you know heroic people in my book. So that's the real exposure, and it's going to be uh, exponentially accelerating to the point where the predator class is not going to be able to keep up with us. In fact, they've already lost their grip. So just like you know, we talk about how maybe we had our little adventures with our own bodies and had to you know, tap in a little bit differently, that's what we need to do now. We need to translate that into the larger context, say, okay. I get it. Here we are. So uh, any other um, things you'd like to address or, or cover, um, you know, or anything more about your work here? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely passionate about helping people find their own blueprint 
And I know it's mm-hmm. actually fairly common. It's almost a cliche. They say, you come and find your sacred purpose. Uh, but but we've been, one of the, the big lies that we've been told, and it, it shows up in, in every kind of cultural institution out there and then very much inside here as well, is uh, is the fracturing of, of consciousness, the compartmentalization of consciousness that you see in education, right? So, or or in medicine, where where maybe you might do a PhD on on uh, you know an enzyme, and and have a complete uh, blind spot to how how that actually shows up as as a whole experience. Same professionally is that people that have multiple passions and talents and skills and interests feel are always told and feel it to be true that they need to pick one thing and focus. Otherwise they feel scattered that they're going in every direction, you know, so there's not an area of life that hasn't been cut up into little pieces. The psyche is the same. And how do they do that? I know you guys know, but it's through trauma, right? And, and right out of the gate, the average normal birth, intensely traumatizing, left you with the biggest wound ever that uh, you've been you know, ripped out of your, out of your mom and untimely and drugged and, you know, slapped and put off on your own and made to cry it out. You know, it's endless, right? In the, in the even just the first days. Never mind a normal life that's traumatic, and never mind trauma-based mind control of the fear propaganda that comes at us all the time. So most people have an experience of a very fractured consciousness where part of you doesn't isn't aware of the other part of you, right? So you get low and you feel like you've always been low and you and you get up there and 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 you're not aware of being able to go and kind of assist that low part while you're in a high energy. Uh, there's no there's no integration whatsoever. So, so this is something that I, I feel very passionate about is, is like, say, in, in a professional context, if, if someone feels like they have to focus, it's like, yes, you have to focus on you. <laughs> and you are, in fact, made up of all of this whole variety, you weren't, you weren't given that or Im- Im- imbued with all of these interests and skills and having trained yourself just by accident. So, you know, I, I used to joke is like, what do you want me to cut off my arm or my leg? It's all important to me. But the difference is that, you know, while you're all split up, you'll feel like your direction is is going in every direction out. It's very depleting. That was part of how I got sick with cancer. I had my my hands out in so many things at one time. And, uh, and, and then the, the experience taught me to turn it around to, to have all of this beautiful variety of experiences that I want to have on this earth, but have the arrows pointing in all to me and, and uh, who I am, what my purpose is, right? Rumi said, there's one thing in this world you must never forget to do. And he's, he's pointing towards purpose. Now it's poetry. It's not this literal, oh, there's, you're, you're meant to be a, you know, a festival organizer so you can bring X, Y, Z together. It's, it's not like that. Maybe organizing a festival as you guys are, is, uh, or gathering as you guys are is is how you express through purpose in 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 june june or july whenever it is and then it's going to mold into some other beautiful creation and your gardens and your you know it's just it's it's all it's all part of it but by dissolving the inner divide and this is the work of the alchemist archetype which is the the last archetype of the hero's journey that i write about in my book called journey 
And so that's where you, you begin to do that very deep inner healing work. You're no longer in a crisis. You're not trying to save your life. You, you, you've managed your life to a, to a certain degree and you can go and catch those fine points and even, even identify what a split feels like. Very subtle, right? People who've been through, I've actually worked with clients who've been through trauma-based mind control. Unfortunately, it's not something I, again, I don't hang my shingle out, but they find me for some reason, feel like I can help them. Uh, often related to to business, but not exclusively, by the way. Uh, I help a lot of people that are not attempting to build a business, even though I feel like we're all going to be entrepreneurs soon with the way that uh, the job world is going and the jab world is going. But it, you know, once once you come to the experience of wholeness, it's really pinnacle. It, and it's this strange, bizarro awakening that I'm one person. Aha. Right. And I'm not losing energy to that. It's just one experience. So at the end of the day, it's, it's no, you know, even the archetypes are an, are a, an alchemical process of splitting out, taking apart, really examining, putting together in a, in a very deliberate chosen way, because it all came together with tacit agreement uh, through, through programming as, as being, a, you know, being a child when you're afraid to die and you just put a program in that, uh, seems to save you from death or whatever disapproval or being out of control in your life. And, and so this experience of wholeness is something that I feel I really want to pass on. And, and then you can see it in people such as, such as yourselves, who've done a lot of work, who've come to that place, who make no apology for being who they are. Um, if you don't mind, I'll share that I'm actually going to be in an hour and a quarter on an interview <clears throat> <clears throat> on my King Heroes Journey podcast with a BC entrepreneur who decided that he's closing his business to anybody who wears a mask or gets the jab. Wow. Someone, since, in the, someone in the chat actually is related to that person, by the way. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. <laughs> since I announced it, I've, they've been coming forward saying like, yeah, I'm their daughter. <laughs> and well, it's this really person cool. is, is actually a follower, is a regular subscriber of ours too. Oh, Flat, fantastic. Yeah, Flat Earth Ship Bear. Uh, <laughs> oh, fluttership bear. So good. Yeah, we've been in contact as well. I want to go show up at his, at his uh, earthship. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun to see how through the world of uh, entrepreneurialism and I mean, entrepreneurs raise their energy in a different way, even if they don't necessarily take on the deprogramming, but they got to let their fears go and they got to get humble because it ain't about your pride at the end of the day. It's about what works and what doesn't work. And uh, you just keep going. It's a beautiful thing. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a great talk at, it's going to be 3 p.m. my time on uh, the King Heroes Journey podcast. And you can start by going to bethmartins.com and just click on King Heroes Journey podcast to find that one. It's the, it's the latest one. Catherine Austin Fitz is also uh, scheduled and on that blog. So if you click on both of those, you'll be able to get direct links to, to join us live for those events. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. So in terms of the hero's journey, every single person has their hero's journey. And I guess the idea is you use these archetypes as I earlier said, kind of the scaffolding scaffolding of your life, right? To give you some guidance and give you um, that little pick me up even, right? Sometimes we need, when we feel a little lost in this journey, but once we're, I, I feel like it's always um, Thomas Campbell, of course, famous for 
really bringing this to the forefront in the 20th century. But the idea, I mean, Joseph Campbell, Thomas Campbell, Joseph okay, Campbell. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have the idea of being on like a, a raft, right? Going down a river and that's your journey. And then occasionally we, we hit a, a side eddy or we fall off or we, we come to a port where we need to, you know, go off on a little side journey. You think Odysseus, you know, is a great example of this with the, with the Greek hero's journey. And it's really how each one of our lives is. And then when we're in the flow, it's like when we're in the raft and we're going through the rapids and we're not even thinking and we're just navigating everything almost like unconsciously, that's when I feel like the magic in this life happens. And when you wake up in the morning and, um, and you're excited, right? You wake up and you pop out of bed and you're like, what am I doing today? And I think being an entrepreneur is really a fantastic path towards that. Bear and I have been entrepreneurs for, I mean, for decades, really. Uh, well, there has, I've been an entrepreneur since um, really out of college. And while you pay a lot of price for that, because there's a lot of uncertainty, I feel like that should be the main role of most humans on this planet. That's why I'm involved with decentralization and projects like Cordal, because I feel like we've been tricked into thinking that we have to go get a job and, and work for somebody to have that security. But really, I think all of us need to go back to that understanding of having that vocation and, 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 and experiencing that unknown and, and finding out what it's like to go out and make your own buck and, and to be your own boss. And I think I, I envision a future where everybody is an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I really feel like that is what we're meant to be here, to be cre divine creators and to be involved with our own commerce and doing it all ourselves and to decentralize everything. And I think that's why we're seeing the fracturing of society right now is because we are now finally embarking on that new path in this Aquarian age where we are all connected, but also separated. And the Coca-Colas of the world, the crafts, the, the general mills, which it's just mind boggling how much they still dominate. And it's obvious why they are going to go bye-bye and we will get, we will enter this new age of decentralization and, and these cottage industries and people doing everything themselves. And the internet will play a massive role in that. I do believe that. But um, <clears throat> is that primarily what is, I guess this is a good way to, to kind of sum up this thing. What is your like grand vision of seeing where society can go using these techniques that you're teaching, do you feel like what I'm saying is kind of on path for a vision of where the world can go? And um, yeah, what is uh, just kind of, I, I don't know, what do you see happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I was recently reminded of it because I, I got in a little bit of a tizzy around, uh, you know, what does plan B mean when my, my family is on different sides of the thing and I'm here in the city in Canada and stuff like that. But uh, I, and, and, and then I was challenged again, what I, what I would have challenged a client to do is, to, okay, what's your vision, right? What, what do you, what do you want? And instead of going, oh, plan B is like off the map. It's just like, no, m map out your plan B, for God's sake, ma map it out. Let's let's get it rolling in the in the uh, imagination. And and there's a, a saying by by one of the mentors that I've uh, studied under, though he was never alive at the time. It was his teacher, Lester Levinson, and and he says, hold what you want in mind. Now 
unfortunately, most of the mind is in the unconscious, right? So it's operating by itself and it's holding a lot of what it doesn't want in mind. So I think you're bang on, Mike. I think it is really uh, absolutely about decentralization. We're, we're taking matters into our own hands. All of the things that we were, we're kind of like babies. We're, we're wards of the state going like, oh, where's my food going to come from? And where's my, you know, education coming from and all that kind of thing. And, and it's time to take responsibility for that. Uh, I envision, you know, of course, the atmosphere that you guys have in terms of gardens and permaculture and growing your own food. Like I was, I was fantasizing to myself yesterday, just what a pleasure it is to sit in a little herb patch and eat a little of this and eat a little of that and have the, the direct, um, you know, actually I've got shivers thinking about it, like just that, that beautiful uh, live, live, um, you know, enzymes and, and uh, nutrients and, and chlorophyll, you know, I was, I was uh, over my humidifier yesterday because it's stupid dry here right now. And I've got oil of pine in there, some turpentine, and I'm just inhaling this and I feel like I'm in a forest and I can see myself walking. So, you know, it's very simple. I personally, even if, if uh, I was just camping in a good climate with people I love for the rest of my life, perfect. You know, it, it doesn't have to be anything more than that, that, um, I'm personally, I'm not really here to create an empire. I will do whatever God tells me to do. And I can see things growing. It's getting a little out of control. Forgive me, please, if anybody hasn't heard from me this week, because uh, I'm not getting to all my messages by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, But I welcome it. And I do have some ideas about how I can get some more support in the short term. But yeah, it's about people coming together, acting like communities. We will be forced that when things get really hard, you'll, you'll need your neighbor, they'll need you. And, and you'll like, what do I, what do you have? What are your skills? So that's, that's why the most important thing that you can do for yourself is to, to know what you have to offer, to know what the value is of the work you do, to get out of that place where you're, where you're feeling like, well, I'm not valuable. Well, that's that's just a big lie. We're all priceless. God wouldn't have put you here on this earth if it if you weren't of uh, you know, not not just some value, but all of it. And then and then how you build value and, and your contribution and your purpose, because that's that's a work and a labor, is is exactly what you said, Bear, about about what do you offer and, and how can you refine that? How can you uh you know, it's it's very humbling, right? The process of learning to be a coach over the last 20 years and and the 10,000 hours that I put in, I don't know how many I, I bet it's it's way more than that. And when you cross that threshold to like I can I can help people. Wow, if they're willing to be helped, if they're open then uh, I can do this. And I was on the phone the other day with somebody that's, they've got their own movement and their own, uh, this is happening more and more and and their audience and all of their teachings. And here they are on my doorstep. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really uh, uh, humbling to me that they would be here looking for help. And and they were so ready to to take a leap and get to a new place. And they went from here to here in their energy in less than a few minutes. And, you know, so that's how we can assist each other on an ongoing basis. We don't have to recreate all of the wheels. If the wheels are created, you go and you just like, well, I've got an axle and you got a wheel and let's uh let's work together here so i yeah i think it's very simple it's life itself is the biggest pleasure right that's one of the archetypes that i write about in in uh, journey as well as is the hedonist we're not here for a pleasureless life of just working our uh, self to the bone and slaving and putting off life it's not like that life is now 
and uh, there's no end to the the rich abundance that we've been given by creator so you you but you you got to come to terms with like what what is the what are the subtle pleasures especially of purpose to me that is the most subtle and the and the biggest pleasure of all that has long sustainable uh, impact of course not just in your life but but in everybody's life as well yeah i i think of the japanese yeah. sword maker or someone the artisan right that who is getting has their life's purpose is creating an amazing product but also has the um knowledge and understanding that with every sharpening of that sword or or forging of that steel they're getting pleasure from that because that is their divine purpose mm. so that idea of vocation is enjoyable even and and then of course what what does that tradition have? Why well, I love the Japanese culture so much. The traditional Japanese culture is there's this idea of spirituality and this idea of balance and yin and the yang and all of that. So it's not the more westernized work yourself to the bone. The ends justify the means. As somebody, Easy Banana Bread said here, not enough for everyone to be an entrepreneur running a business we enjoy. We need to be doing useful and productive labor for our society. Well, Beautiful. productive labor for our society. That starts to sound a little Marxist, but I get what they're saying here. I get that there is a sense of quality and understanding of morality and a sense of um, working together so that we have a unified goal for what is good for us, what is based on natural law, right? And the free market does a great job of kind of doing that as long as we have a sane society. <laughs> when we have an insane society well, of sick people, then uh, yeah, go ahead, Bear. You, you can see in our culture in uh, the U.S., uh, at the beginning of the 1900s, 95% of the population were independent entrepreneurs. And now it's exactly the opposite. There's only a very small percentage, 5% or less, that are independents. And out of that employee mentality that's pervaded our society, over half of those directly or indirectly derive their income from some level of government. And isn't it interesting now that with the pandemic scam, they're trying to close down the rest of the independents. And uh, Beth, you did a marvelous job as far as you know, just helping us understand how that entrepreneurship is really coincident with sovereignty. And uh, if you look at how our culture has changed, where we were a thriving country, and in the early 1900s, not only were people independent and thriving, but they were reading uh, books, you know, by the great minds like Steiner, and they're exploring all these uh, different types of uh, you know, kind of natural medicine, everything that was the norm. And, and again, as we moved into more this socialized sort of mindset, now nobody even hears about these great minds anymore, let, let alone studies. Um, and I, I can't uh, really conceive of putting my livelihood in the hands of somebody else, an employer, you know, I much more Maybe I'm a control freak, but I much more trust myself. And the only bad experiences I've had in the past financially is when I place 
you know, my livelihood or something in somebody else's hands. So it just goes back to that place where learning how to trust yourself. But of course, that really means trusting your source. And I think we're, uh, you know, uh, you know, really all headed in that direction. A lot of us realize this lifetime is uh, tying up a lot of loose ends. That's why, you know, we are clearly in the age of transmutation. You brought up alchemy, you know, in the Enneagram, that nine point is the mediator. It's that, you know, individual that has been through the full circle and now can relate to every single archetype. Uh, you understand how they're all part of a whole that's why some of us are sharing these common beliefs, why we're all finding each other. And so great to have you here, Beth. Uh, and I can't wait to uh, be on your show. What in a couple of weeks or so, huh? Yeah. May 27th. That's going to come up. So yeah, I'm super excited. I, uh, I wanted to hear from you on on specifically the the you know the way that the job is influencing not the, just the people getting it but but the the greater community around. So I have a lot of respect yeah. for your work and and I can hear you and I can understand you and and uh, and and really resonate with your opinion. So yeah, super excited to host you there. Fun. Mm-hmm. Well, what a wonderful talk. Well, May twenty seventh though that's going to be a busy day. I'm on that's when I'm on the greater reset. Um, talking about Cordal, and then also um, we're working on having. Um, I think we're going to work on having a pre-recorded show because that is a Thursday Alpha Cast bear. But we're talking about having um, hopefully the mayor from Nevada City, right, and a business mm-hmm. owner who uh, has never closed down, and um, and those are the kind of stories we really need to focus on more as those entrepreneurs who are actually like the restaurant owners who aren't bowing down to the state, aren't bowing down to the corporate superstructure um, and look to those people as, um, you know, the model for understanding sovereignty by doing commerce in the right way Um, because they're still there. um, And that's uh, really powerful. So um, Beth, thanks so much. This has been a wonderful talk and Mm -hmm. please, do you have your book there again? If you could hold up. I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for, can you hold your book yeah. again for everybody to see? Yeah. Um, you can get this on bethmartins.com. And um, wonderful, wonderful information that I think is super empowering and something everybody needs to remind themselves of is that we are all our heroes in our own lives. And mm-hmm. um, what better way to give yourself momentum towards a brighter present right now than understanding that? Um, it's empowering. Um, and, um, something that I, I talk about a lot on the show, actually, like be your own hero, get out there and enjoy your life. You know, Mm -hmm. I know things, things are always crazy. Mm -hmm. Like things are always Mm going to be crazy in this realm. That's why we come here. So, um, we, uh, we were saying before the show, like this really is an opt-in slavery. We were joking around. We were making an analogy between the stupid Apple upgrades that we are always being Mm -hmm. forced to choose with on our OS systems and stuff. If you're an Apple owner. And I'm like, that is really how this reality is. It's like, do we want to go with this quote unquote new great reset upgrade? Or do we want to do our own? We opt in, we decide. Uh, so let's decide what's best for our each and every individual's hero's journey here. And um, it's a powerful tool. It's a grounding every day uh, to do that. So thank you so exactly. much, Beth. You are a wonderful human being, and we're so happy to know you. And um, I'm very happy to hear you're working with Matt Belair, who is a friend of Baron and I's uh, mm-hmm. and, and mine. And That's how I met you guys. 
Oh, okay. That yeah, thanks sense. to Matt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. cool. So um, everybody, go to BethMartins.com. I hope you enjoyed listening to or watching the show. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Um, we uh, The DLive chat was lively. Um, for those on YouTube, we are in DLive. We, we, we're on YouTube too, but if you can, come over to DLive. It's better. We're trying not to support the the Google's on of the of the world, uh, and so yeah. I share one one yeah. quick thing. Go ahead. Uh, just just want to let people know, and I, I think it's already happening, but uh, there there are is are two quizzes at my website, and just to, to let you know uh, the difference between them, they are actually both. Um, based on the eight archetypes that I write about in, in this uh, map of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness. And so the Merpreneur's journey is, is uh, the, those archetypes are generally for a woman who is interested in being valued for her purpose, not to say that uh, a man couldn't do it, but you might not relate to the questions as much. And then there's the King Hero, Hero's journey archetypes, which is more about, you know, the trials and tribula tribulations of surviving, but it's the identical archetypes. So you can choose one or the other quite often, men um do end up doing both and women do the king hero one too because of course we have both the masculine and feminine in us as well so that's fine if you want to see the difference but just so you don't get confused i'm still working out how to uh how to funnel traffic when it comes to my my website but in 10 minutes you can find out where you are on the path of purpose and that's cool. what happened to me i got a little bit of insight in one archetype and i saved my life that way so people have been able to have breakthroughs and uh, i do uh, have a telegram channel as well so if you'd like to join me there it's called king hero zone it is for king heroes you guys are too busy i was going to add you and i'm like another oh, will drive you crazy but uh, of course you're very welcome and for people who are comforted by king heroes that's me uh, and also those king heroes in the making you want to do brave stuff but you're not necessarily quite there yet and uh, there is a course called Primal Power, which I feel is extremely timely right now for the truth community. I'm just running my second round of it. I'm extremely affirmed. It will definitely be my next book. And uh, following this, I'm going to put it out because it's now it's all recordings and handouts and uh, videos and all that kind of thing. So people will be able to take it without the live component, even though that's, that's uh, good. So I just want to make sure to mention those things, if that's all right. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I'll put those links in the show notes uh, beneath the podcast here and on the website, on our website. So um, people can uh, easily find that. And uh, that's great. Telegram seems to be the place right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, relating this to my brain with decentralized systems and how we nodes connect to create the, you know, the overall network. Well, yeah, each node needs to be strong. We all need to be str uh, a strong node for the network to be healthy. So it's important to go do that quiz if you have any question about what your purpose is so that you can be a, a, a valuable member in this community we, we are building here. Um, because without that, it'll fall, it'll collapse. So um, uh, powerful work, Beth, thank you so much. Uh, Baird Lando, any parting words for Beth or our community? Uh, just Beth, please add me to your telegram group. Oh, for sure. I will. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll do that right now. <laughs> and My thank honor. you. <clears throat> yeah. It's been a thrill to be here. Honestly, I, I've been watching you guys for a while and, uh, and I knew I could relate the vibe was there. And then it was so exciting that Matt was connected. Uh, and then Anarchapoco came along. So all these little threads lead, lead together. It's all magic. It's all synchronicity. And, and that, is, that is what happens when you, when you live a life that's in alignment with your own true purpose, that, that all kinds of things can happen that otherwise may never 
have come together in, in a beautiful way. So God bless you guys. And uh, thanks again for sharing your audience with me. God bless you, Beth, and uh, good luck with your Catherine Ostafitz interview. We're uh, oh, very excited you. about that, and we'll be tuning in. Will that be live, or is that recorded? It's live, yeah, tomorrow okay. at uh, 1 p.m. Central. I guess that's 11 a.m. in the Pacific. Wonderful. Okay, guys, tomorrow, um, catch that live on Beth's channel with Catherine Austin Fitz. I'm sure that was going to be an amazing stream. Very exciting. And everybody, if you enjoyed this, please give us a thumbs up, share uh, with your friends and family, get this information out. We really appreciate you. You can find us at alphavedic.com, all the information there. And once again, Music and Sky is coming up before you know it, musicandsky.com. We've got Marty Leeds, Lena Poo, Laura Bolton, Derek Bros, David Rodriguez, Dr. Edith Bunto-Chan, Brian Hoyer, Dr. Melissa Sell, and her partner, Dr. Stephen Ravenstag, Eric Cassano will be doing another two-hour holotropic uh, breathwork. Uh, we have Paul Enslaved there, who, um, Bear, I'm reaching out to hopefully get on AlphaCast ASAP. Beth, if you haven't checked out Paul's videos, uh, if you haven't mm -hmm. heard of this guy, Paul Enslaved, because you're a common mm -hmm. law kind of fan, he's mm -hmm. on the boots on the ground doing the work, recording himself, like having interactions with police and public officials and educating them on the difference between lawful and legal in a way that is absolutely brilliant. And he is a great example of the hero's journey because he, um, you know, was lost and I think was in prison and he was an ex-con and he found his way and he discovered common law and it's become his life's passion and he's studied it and he knows it and he's coming from a place of divine kind of recognition of what his path is now here is his journey and his goal and his it's really powerful and bear i shared you a video that went viral of his and it's just it's just a kick <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, awesome. man. he's amazing so we're getting having him come out uh to do wow. a talk and uh, our friend justin franson will be there again i mean so our family like you said our community is going to be there uh it's going to be just an amazing time and we do have some big surprises coming too. some some other names that we're working on um, and some Canadians even, maybe Matt Belair, maybe even if we can have our friend smuggle him over the border, we're working on it. So lots mm -hmm. of fun stuff happening. Pick me, I'm, I'll come. <laughs> yeah, I think I, uh, you're yeah. in his neck of the woods too. Are you? Kind of, Not or? even close. Not oh, even you're close. in Manitoba. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Where is the gathering again? What part well, of the U.S.? Uh, the gathering is in a secret location um, in the Western Sierras, kind of by Yosemite. Okay. Uh, so okay, cool. um, we we're have gonna have to blindfold you when we take you in. <laughs> yeah, I'm closer than Matt is. So you are. You are. Yeah, I went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was joking we'll around, you know, that it's not the Mexican border anymore. That's going to be the hotbed for smuggling. It's going to be the Canadian border. I know. So I know. Kind of know. ironic, right? <laughs> I know. I've I blew the border once to go to New York this uh, last summer, when. Uh, Adrian Kaufman, who I know you know, and uh, well, Andy's, Andy's right and now. Great 50, folks are there. So Andy's fifty fifty. I haven't we haven't officially announced him, but he is um, uh, wants to come and would be a keynote speaker, mm. uh, as well as Amanda Volmer. If you're familiar with her work, of course, um, she's on um, our law summit, by the way. Yeah. 
Okay, so she's part of the smuggle, the smuggling that will be going down. Hopefully, if we can figure this out. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so anyways, um, so many beautiful Canadians up there doing amazing work, and we want to get them to the to this event. So, uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, okay, everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, get out there, get outside, get your hands dirty, go grow something, go on a hike. Mother Nature is always the best teacher, and we love you. And we will see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>